I mean, it's kind of cute, right? Hello, and welcome back to Kinda Cute. And if you're new here, welcome. My name's Bailey Evan. I'm your host. And on Kinda Cute, we discuss articles from the cut and my general pop culture musings. As usual, I would just ask you guys to subscribe, give me a five-star rating, and leave a little written review if you're feeling feisty. It would honestly make my day. And I'm still waiting to send a sticker to a stranger and not just my friends who have left reviews. So if you are a stranger and you have or you do leave a review, just DM me your address at Bailey Evan on Instagram, B-A-I-L-E-Y-E-V-I-N, and I will send you a kind of cute sticker. Wow. Last week I was talking about <laughs> redacting my for- like previous statements, and I definitely meant retraction. You know, I redact things as a lawyer, so I think that was just on the mind, but I meant retraction just to clear that up so I don't sound like a complete idiot more than I usually do. And I actually think this is a fitting thing to bring up again today because Heather McDonald, who is a popular podcaster of the podcast called Juicy Scoop, it's also kind of a pod culture, pop culture podcast, she was sued by Jim Bellino, who is the ex-husband of one of the Real Housewives. She had Tamara Barney and Shannon Bondor, who were also members of Real Housewives of Orange County, on her podcast as live guests, and they were talking about this impending divorce between Jim Bellino and his now ex-wife, Alexis Bellino, and he sued them for, I don't even know really what his statement of claim stated, what his counts were, such BS, I guess defamation. It's so weird, though, because he's already a public figure and his divorce was very public to begin with. And divorce papers are public. You can search for them. So I really don't even know why a lawyer agreed to bring this suit. Um, But luckily today, her motion to dismiss was granted and the court dismissed it with prejudice, which means that Jim cannot now just amend his complaint and bring another complaint against Heather. He, I think, plans on appealing the ruling, which will make this drag on even further, but I really don't think he has a likely chance of succeeding during appeal. So I think for now that is done with, and it shows that podcasts do and should have the protection of the First Amendment. So I think that is a win for all podcasts, even puny little ones like mine, that is either just 100% me regurging other people's shit or my own opinion, which your opinion really cannot be sued on. It just can't, in my in my opinion. <laughs> so anyways, I just thought that was something worth sharing when we were talking about my retraction redaction last week. The coronavirus is obviously reaching a peak. I'm sure it's the last thing you guys want to hear about. Of course, I had to look up travel deals and oh my gosh, guys, they are so good. I'm like, I could go to Boston. I could go to Philly. I could go to New York for all like under $100 out of PBI, which is an airport five minutes from me. Don't worry. I'm not doing it. I'm not traveling. I'm actually really am trying to like, you know, cut down on contact, not go to big group things just because I think it is one of those mass mentality things that if we all do that, it'll help everyone in the end. But Honestly, I would like love to go out to dinner and get a drink. Uh, My sister's out of town this week and I'm just like dying for human interaction. I think I should have gone. This should have been the week I went on my first dating app date. But lo and behold, didn't happen because we're too busy with our side hustle, guys. And that's more important. Um, I think 
also with coronavirus, I think another issue coming along with it is that the other random unimportant news that's going on that I usually talk about isn't being reported on as much. So it's kind of to the detriment of this podcast. So this week we're heavy on some profiles of various people. We have Fran Drescher, Zoe Deutsch, and most importantly, the women of prison YouTube. So settle in, get cozy with your cup of tea and your hand sanitizer. I like to envision that you're listening to this while you WFH work from home. It took me a while to get that acronym, guys. I kept seeing it on Instagram and I was like, what the hell is a WFH? Anyways, I hope that's where you are. I hope you're cocooned in your favorite blanket listening to the dulcet valley girl sounds of my voice. Onward to our articles today. Talking Death and God with Zoe Deutsch by Sanjita Singh Kurtz. I have to preface this by saying before reading this article, I didn't know how I felt about Zoe, even as an actress. I feel like she's always cast as the endearingly quirky girl with a slight edge, like willing to stand up for herself, willing to be a little snarky. She was in The Politician. Uh, I did like her in The Setup, which is a great rom-com on Netflix if you haven't seen it yet. But my knowledge of her beyond the small things I've seen her act in is pretty limited and just relegated to her as an actress. So I was excited for this article to peel back the layers a little bit, and I was not disappointed. Let's get into it. Sanjita writes, Zoe Deutsch is fixing me with a soft stare that does not match the intensity of the questions she just asked me, which are, do you believe in an afterlife? Do you believe in reincarnation? What do you believe in? We're nursing pots of black tea at the Plaza Hotel across from Central Park, and she's been interviewing me for nearly two hours. I don't think it's fair for a writer to come and look me up and not look them up, she says, explaining that she Googled me extensively. I read all of your stuff. Look through your things. And she had, including a small novel on immortality, apparently. Now she wanted to get her money's worth by asking me about death and God and other things. I wasn't prepared to talk about at high tea. First of all, I have to say, I am a high tea lover. I would even go so far as to call me an aficionado because I have never met a tiny little sandwich that I don't like. And the other thing about high tea is they are very accommodating to my pescatarian lifestyle. I can just get extra cucumber sandwiches, extra salmon sandwiches. It really works out nicely for me. And then bite-sized pastries. And then tea, like it's literally all of my favorite things. I know it's like overpriced and not worth it. And it's, it's so girly and kind of stupid, but I live for it and I've never been at the plaza. And I just like to add that I think that is on my bucket list now. Okay, back to Zoe. I I love that she just goes for it in this question. And I love that this potentially means that Zoe has read many of the articles we've discussed on here because we cover so many of Sanjita's articles because she loves to talk about thirst trappy people. She was the one who did the article about John Ambrose. She's the one who did the one on Manny Jacinto. So we've always discussed that Sanjita gets the fun pieces, and I really like the meta nature that I'm talking about Zoe interviewing Sanjita and Zoe read articles that we've discussed on this podcast. Like, wow, guys. So doing my journalistic duty, I went and looked up Sanjita's article on immortality, and it was published in Quartz Magazine in 2019. And in it, she really focuses on discussing the business of immortality and how billionaires focus a lot on it. Like, Bezos is invested in companies that focus on longevity. But to be honest with you guys, this article is far more dense than any cut article. So I am just flabbergasted if Zoe read it all and just respect to her. So moving on to this line, which may have converted me to a Zoe fan. 
Sanjita writes that she's wearing a minimalist designer outfit. Its focal point is a Kenzo coat covered in Illuminati eyes. I call it my conversation piece. I could talk about it all the time. I wear it so much that I have my lines. I got eyes everywhere. I got eyes everywhere. She hoots, throwing out finger guns. And let me tell you guys, I Googled this coat and I can get it secondhand for $250 and baby is tempted. Let me tell you because A, it's cute and B, it's estimated retail is $2,360. So what a steal, honey, knocking off a zero and then some. Back to the article. Her in-person demeanor is more like Harper Moore. Her character in the 2018 Netflix rom-com set it up, a 20-something intern trying to figure out figure it out in New York. Deutsch, who's 25 now, has the same kind of intense self-deprecating moxie that makes Harper so charming. And I think I found this interesting because earlier I said I liked her in that movie. And then as I was reading this, I was like, am I becoming a super fan of Zoe as I read through this? So Sanjita then says, I haven't been a journalist for long, but one thing I've experienced when speaking with celebrities is that they mostly know the bare minimum about whom they're speaking with. Who you write for, your name, maybe. I was bewildered by Deutsch, who knew things about me that are hard to find on the internet. But we'd had some champagne, so I explained... To this woman, I just met my thoughts on death and God. That I was raised in a mixed-race, sick household that was religious and fractious and isolated. Probably as a result, I'm extremely non-religious. I wonder why she passed on palm reading, the activity I suggested in lieu of fancy tea. Well, what if I found something scary? She shudders. Her grandmother, Deutsch says, was a psychic, and her mom, actress Leah Thompson, back to the future, is a little bit too. I'll get scared about something, and I'll be like, what if I'm psychic? She says of her own intuition, but I'll be so wrong. Dude, guys, I do that too. I've probably said on the podcast, like, I think I can, like, put out these predictions into the universe, and sometimes I am, right? But I definitely think it's less psychic intuition and just the pure density and amount of pop culture I have consumed over my 31-year lifetime that gives me any prediction skills at all. And then it says that Deutsch lives in Chinatown now where she says no one recognizes her, which I don't know if that's true or if people just... um like don't say anything to her because they're too cool in Chinatown. But I also think that Zoe kind of looks like a lot of girls who live in Chinatown. So I could kind of see this being the case. And then when she's talking about what's coming up next, she says, I don't know. I don't really know anything at all. I would love to know. Literally right before we met, I was on a call, like trying to figure out that question. What's in the future? She gazes at a neighboring table, her expression one that I recognize in myself and my peers. Those decisions are hard, but I haven't made them yet. They're fine right now because I'm here having tea with you. What about you? So guys, I don't know about you, but I found that to be a delightful interview. Brava, Sanjita. But I would have liked to know Zoe's thoughts on God and death. Um, I would have liked a little more of that. And maybe we'll get that in the extra cut content that we I sometimes get in the newsletter so keep your fingers crossed next up we have the women of prison YouTube by Jessica Bloom now surprisingly I have never watched a YouTube prison video I'm obsessed with YouTube I love the prison shows I know that they have ones like hacks of where they show how to make prison makeup and stuff like that and how they do it. And I don't know, again, the fact that I haven't watched one is maybe the most shocking part of this podcast so far, but I wanted to cover it here. 
So Jessica writes, although it's a niche topic covered by less than 100 channels, prison YouTube is turning some ex-cons into influencers. Millions of people watch these YouTubers demonstrate workout routines using bags of water and pillowcases, brew bootleg wine with Jolly Ranchers, and make tattoo guns with electric beard trimmers. Even Jersey Shore's Mike, the situation, is dipping a toe in the prison YouTube waters after spending eight months in federal prison for tax evasion. It's a chance to learn what prison's really like. At least what it's like for men. The female inmate experience is largely absent. Very few women have channels that draw on the kind of audiences that the male ones do. But they, but those that do take a meaningfully different approach to sharing this, their stories. And this article focuses on a woman named Jessica Kent who published a video called I Had a Baby in Prison. And while I was writing this, I went to look at the video and it had 1,421,000 404 views as of the time I looked at it. So after she posted that, her subscribers grew by thousands and she realized the power of her perspective and that there was very few women on YouTube talking about life behind bars and she felt she could shed light on women's issues like pregnancy that are largely ignored by the prison system. And the article says that women are the fastest growing segment of the incarcerated population in America, increasing 834% between 1978 and 2015. Yet much of the attention to curbing mass incarceration has focused on men. The Prison Policy Initiative reports this issue in many states, most notably Michigan, which reduced the male prison population by 8% between 2009 and 2015, but incarcerated 30% more women over the same period. And the article also goes on to discuss some very serious matters, like how women face a ton of inequalities in in prison um, and sexual abuse by male guards and how rampant that is and the issue that women are more likely to be the primary caretakers of their children. So both the mother and the children are oftentimes obviously traumatized by the separation and the limited access they have to each other. This article goes on to discuss another prison YouTuber named Christina Randall, and I thought this part was wild. It says, It worked out for Randall, who makes a living wage off video views, plus her Patreon, which offers extra videos and Skype calls for a range of monthly fees. She's also made the jump from YouTube to be cast on Bravo's new competition reality show, Spy Games. Okay, first of all, has anyone watched Spy Games? Because honestly, it looked kind of good to me when I saw a commercial, but then I just forgot to watch it. And back in the day, I really loved the show The Mole. Do any of you guys remember watching that? I want to say it came out kind of around the same time that the first seasons of Survivor were out. So I was young and I loved that show. It was literally one person was a mole and all the other players had to figure out who it was. And it's kind of like that game, like you play Mafia, if you've ever played that like camp or something, but on TV and I loved it and I thought it was so cool and I was like could I be the mole like would I be able to keep my cool anyways I feel like I need to watch spy games is the moral of that story the other moral of the story is beyond that it's fucked up that women have an equal you know shit going on in prison to get to the little more lighthearted side of it I'm wondering if maybe the key to success is to just go to prison and have a baby because honestly, I work kind of hard at my YouTube channel and I've had it for over a year and I have 137 subscribers. So again, if you guys want to throw me a bone, it's there for you to subscribe to. (laughs) All right. Last article for today, the joy of Fran, 21 years after the end of the nanny, we're all still in her thrall by Matthew Schneier. And I have to preface this article by saying that I was 
also obsessed with the nanny. I couldn't tell you anything about the storyline or really any of the characters because I think I just loved it because of Fran herself. I love her outfits. I just loved her voice. I thought she was so funny, even though I don't think I understood like half the jokes. I'm pretty sure they went over my head. And she really was just such a powerhouse and I couldn't look away. And then this article, they write, 30 years worth of journalists have struggled to describe her nasal whinny. I like Los Angeles's magazine's version. The, ver- the voice of a Bloomies perfume spritzer in heat. I just, I thought that was kind of good and accurate. And now she's 62 and she looks fucking incredible. Like, I hope she can drop a beauty routine, her plastic surgery routine. I don't know what it is, but honey's looking good. And I can already tell with this article at this point that it was just going to be like the Zoe one that was just going to make me like Fran even more. And it writes, Dressers of both a whole new woman, a cancer survivor with a foundation to advocate for early detection, prevention, and policy, a marijuana evangelist, and a fiery political opinionator with a snappy anti-capitalist bent. And exactly the one you feel you know. Her text messages are spangled with kiss print emoji. She loves an espresso martini, the height of 90s elegance. Now, y'all, have you had an espresso martini recently? Because I'm telling you, that shit hits different. My favorite drinks are usually of the citrus variety. I talked about my grapefruit drink that I die for as just like a kind of go-to bar drink. Margaritas, mojitos, those are my favorite to order. And margarita is literally my favorite drink of all time. I don't even care if it's a trashy, gross one. I prefer a fresh one, but I just love a margarita. And I love the brininess of a dirty martini. But hot damn, if you want to mix your uppers and your downers, get yourself an espresso martini next time you are at a place that makes a good cocktail. And I swear you will not regret it. If you like, you have to like the flavor of coffee, but it's so good when it's done well. And honest, it's kind of life changing. (sighs) Back to the article. Back home on the Upper West Side after a stop at a Columbus Avenue bodega for 186 worth of fresh flowers, which she arranges and distributes across a number of vases, Dresher has quick change into a terry cloth robe and Uggs, a diamond tennis bracelet on her wrist, while her ever-present assistant, Jordan, lights a fire in the living room hearth. Dresher's company is called Uh Uh-Oh Productions, and emails from Jordan, dispatches from and about Fram, have been popping up on my phone for days as simply Uh Uh-Oh. I think to casually buy $186 of something that will just die in a week may be an end goal of mine. I'm kind of frugal about my flowers because I do love having them in my house. But yeah, it's hard for me to like shell out on a on a nice arrangement. I even asked my parents for Valentine's Day. I was like, can you guys give me a dried arrangement so it'll stay longer? And they did. And it's great. And it's still going strong. And I also think it's funny, and I think someone pointed this out in in the comments, that they're talking about her being anti-capitalist, yet like that description's kind of like, hmm, <laughs> coming from like a number one capitalist and consumer, like no judgment, I consume the shit out of goods, so no shade, just kind of like interesting reporting. <laughs> Uh, Dresher spends most of her time in Malibu where she has a house on the ocean and a regular table at Nobu, but she keeps an apartment in New York and an arts and crafts style building just off the park where she once shared a wall with Madonna. Juicy. In the kitchen is a framed cover of New York Dog magazine featuring Dresher with Esther, one of her late beloved Pomeranians. Esther's predecessor, Chester, was a guest star on The Nanny. And guys, I can't believe she has a Pomeranian. You know all those times you've heard my dog Gurgi bark just like five minutes ago? Um, of this very podcast it's he is also a Pomeranian he's literally sitting in my lap right now like the little prince he is I am so deeply derangedly in love with him I'm oh I could just eat him up with a spoon I love him so much so anyone else who has a Pomeranian I just automatically think higher of them I'm like oh well yeah we're obviously soulmates 
Um, I always say, like, if I could find a guy, like, with a Pomeranian, like, that might be it for me. Just saying. Just putting that out there. So she says, I have the good fortune of being recognizable, she says. For people to roll out the red carpet for me wherever I go in the world, it's such heaven. Sometimes people say, I don't like Paris. They're not nice to me. And it's like, really? I'm like Jerry Lewis there. (laughs) That just made me laugh because I'm like, yeah, that must be the life, dude. Just like getting treated nice everywhere. And these are some other things I learned from the article. A nanny musical is coming to Broadway. Sign me the fuck up. She is working on a cabaret act that will take her to Cafe Carlisle in New York. Sign me the fuck up for that too. I learned that her ex-husband is now her gay ex-husband, which like, can you blame a gay guy for marrying this cultural icon? I can't. And now they are writing partners like forever, which is so poetic and nice. I love that they stayed in touch. She fought for her character in The Nanny to be portrayed as Jewish because there were no main characters at the time of shows who were Jewish. And a major sponsor or potential sponsor of the show wanted her to be portrayed as Italian. And she really fought for the fact that she wanted to be portrayed as Jewish. So I thought that was cool. And she now describes her religion as follows. As a Buddhist or a Buju, which is more to the point of what I am really, balance is a big part of your daily practice. I try and find balance in everything. I never forget where I came from. And inside, I'm still a chubby girl from Queens anyway. And buju, as in Buddhist Jewish person, might be the best word mashup I've ever heard. Like, buju. (laughs) All right, today's legit shit is a lotion that I love. It's called the Sol de Janeiro Brazilian Bum Bum Cream. Remember, you guys can always use the links in my show notes to buy the stuff I mentioned. And... It's great if you actually use the link in my show notes because they're affiliate links and I get like, you know, a couple cents from your order. So, you know, helps me out supporting that $20 a month podcast fee. Um, But I love this lotion. It smells delicious. You guys already know I kind of tend towards things that smell a little bit food-like. And this one smells like a really delicious sunscreen, but like in a fresh way. I feel like it's really moisturizing. It goes in nicely. I'm so bad about actually moisturizing my whole body, but when I do it with this, it really is a treat. And it's expensive. It's like $45 for the big jar, but maybe get like one of the packs that has little the little smaller size travel ones in it because those are great to travel. And Sephora definitely has those in some of their like greatest hit kits. Um, I recommend that. And I will see you guys next week. Bye.